my god. Oh my god. You fucking lived. Oh my god, I have chills. I know. I hate people. Hello, friends. What up? There you go. <laughs> there I am. This is Rachel. This is Rebecca. If this is your first time here, welcome. We are identical twins who are determined to give you a didn't see that coming moment in every episode. We love a whodunit, a survivor, a plot twist. We do not love old-timey murders. You'll never hear <laughs> about a murder that took place in the 1800s. Sorry. It's not our jam. And True. we also hate people. Just in general. Sure. 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 Who doesn't? Um, I will be telling my story today. Again, this is Rebecca. Uh, we were told that we have identical voices, which is why we introduce ourselves 75 times an episode. We would love, love, love to do this full time. So if you like it, please hit that five star. And also, if you don't already, please hit the actual download button to listen to an episode instead of just hitting play. Yeah. Our play counts are like three times higher than our actual downloaded counts. And Apple only ranks based on the downloaded number. So please just hit that, you know. Yeah. Down you understand. You get it. You get it. God, sorry. I've had something to add. That's why I was like so weird at the beginning. I don't know, man. It's Monday after Thanksgiving, after a long ass weekend. So maybe I'm just brain dead, but I really I've had something to add to that. But who knows? Well, if you think of it, you know where we'll be. I'm going to interrupt you mid story when I think of it. Yeah, it's going to be like, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Y'all, guys. TikTok, TikTok is our platform. Have y'all heard about this? Why is no one talking about TikTok? <laughs> Psych, I know we're late to the game, but golly, we kill it. I'm just kidding. We've had like three go over like 100,000 views or whatever. And we've only TikTok's had like 15 posts. The best. The tits, man. So follow us on um, there. Gen Z, y'all are peeps. Y'all are peeps, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Who knows if they're actually even listening? Who knows? But they do. They love our content, I guess. <laughs> we got, in a weekend, like 2,500 followers. No, not 2,500. 2,000 or something. Killed it. We loved it. Sorry. It's fine. But at times, very frustrating to create a post. But what? that's a whole other oh, yeah. I have mad, mad feedback for their developers, but whatever. Um not so humble brag. We love TikTok because we sometimes kill it on there, sometimes don't. Yeah. All right. Well, that is really all I had at the top. I do. Um, we do have a Patreon shout out. Madeline, thanks for joining. Madeline and I used to work together when we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina together. And I love her and she's very supportive. And I appreciate you joining, Mads. Thanks, girlfriend. <laughs> We've never met, but rage here and god bless you god bless you I, I say that every day remember that madeline girl i said god bless her <laughs> that's right all right so you ready for my story oh yeah are we is that it okay 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 yeah i am ready because you've been talking it up like a damn fool <laughs> well now it's gonna suck no nothing's gonna suck like i just said we try to give a didn't see that coming in every episode and this is no different. 
But this story does take place in California, which is where a majority of our listeners live. So there's a lot of pressure on me. Uh, yeah. And the 1600s, too. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck it is. JK. So boring. Sorry. It just old-timey murders are so boring to us. It's just how, how it went back then. Yeah. Um, our top city is actually Seattle. Oh, just say, what up, Seattle? What up? I see you. I see you. Oh, I hear you. All right. Don't don't sleep on Seattle. Oh, my God. That was so good. <laughs> like sleepless in Seattle? Forget it. Oh, uh, no. I liked it. But it, it sounded like you immediately responded, oh, my God, that was so good, as if you were me. Like, it sounded like I, that uh, was my reaction. And I'm like, don't try to fool our listeners like that. Uh, no. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I should do that more. Yeah. I make tell a joke, then immediately... <laughs> Rebecca, you're so funny. How do you do it? How do you do it? All right. This is the story of Leslie Mazzara, Adrian Ansanya, and Lauren Minza. Sources. I hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly. Oh, God. You didn't do a YouTube listen or something? Well, I did. They just said, like, Ansanya rhymes with lasagna. And so now I just see lasagna. So I'm like, Insane. Oh. Yeah, it's, you know, it's right. kind of, anyway. Right. And I'm pronouncing the other two right. All right, sources are Forensic Files, ABC News, CBS News, LA Times, and a few excerpts from Paul LaRosa's book, A Nightmare in Napa. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I love Napa. Oh, my God, it's the best. Cut, it's the damn best. <laughs> I cannot stand we say everything's the best. Oh, my God. I just caught in your window reflection the door open, but no one's standing there. Except an Ani bear. Oh, oh, my God. That was so spooky. Yeah, I bet. Bye, Ani. Going back to 2004, Leslie, Adrian, and Lauren are three friends in that really fun stage of life. They're in their mid-20s. They're roommates. They're starting their careers. But at that age, their job's not taken too seriously. Like, there's not too much responsibility. So life's good at that point. And it's 2004. G-chat all over the place. Oh, my God. G-chat galore. That's what you spent your nine to five doing. G-chatting. How many G-chat windows did they, did those three have open? A million. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Just deciding where to go to happy hour that day. And, you know, you're just you're constantly drinking. It's the best. <laughs> you are at that age. You're yeah. 25. You're not. You're single. You have no kids. You're. Yeah, you live with your friend, your best friends. Yeah. No, I agree with it. Yeah. And they're all doing this in Napa Valley, California, obviously. If y'all need a scary movie reference, Scream 1 is filmed in Napa or Healdsburg, really. But I know. I love that. I know. But you know those very pretty isolated houses with rolling hills in the background that Drew Barrymore lives in on the opening scene? That's the setting of this horrific story. Actually, Nev Campbell's house in that movie is my favorite. Oh, my God. I am dying. Did we, did Pan and I just watch this where I dropped that knowledge and it was when they're at Nev Campbell's house, she's like getting the mail out. Like, did I just watch Scream? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, we watched it during Halloween, but Barrett was like, holy shit, where is this film? This is so pretty. It's like Northern California. It's just beautiful in general. But yeah. And then. Sorry, I have to drop this fact that we uh-huh. dropped on Twinks was mm-hmm. it was originally supposed to be filmed. We sound like the biggest horror film nerds, but I don't give a shit. Mm-mm. Um, it was originally supposed to be filmed in 
like Santa Monica or no Santa Rosa, yeah. California, somewhere Southern California. And they thought it was like a wholesome movie. And then the city got like the first draft of it. And they're like, oh, hell no, we're not letting this film here. So they're like, last minute said, sorry, we changed our mind, screwed them over. So at the very end, they moved it to Healdsburg. At the very end of the credits, it says, thank you so much to the Hillsburg city, whatever. And no thanks at all to Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa, California City Council or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. And the credits, it says, and no thanks whatsoever to Santa Rosa, California. I love it's it. It's funny. I know. I like you it. Can, you can Google images. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. It's pretty good. So Napa right, sorry, is. Go on. Oh, it's fine. It's a good, it's a good little sad uh, tidbit. Napa is obviously known for the wine. Heart of wine country, and holy shit, it's pretty, and it has a cute little town, all the things. But it's not that common for college graduates to move there to start their career. It's expensive. There's not much of a nightlife or many young people, but it really didn't matter because they loved it and had so much fun until one scary-ass night. But first, um, let me set the scene and give you a little bio of each of them. Lawrence, 27 years old, from Modesto, California, and went to Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo, California. God bless. <laughs> I hope I said that right. <laughs> so, I, look, I YouTubed it. And some people say San Luis. Some people say San Luis Obispo. Right. So I'm going to go with it. Damn, I hope I'm right. In the Southeast, we say San Luis, right? Did you say Luis? Yeah. Okay, well, there it is. I'm sorry. I know California top state. Let us know. I've heard of it. I just don't say it ever. No, I don't say it ever, but I've YouTubed it and people were pronouncing it both ways. And so I'm, I'm just going with it. So she went there with Adrian. So I assume this is how they know each other. But there was one source that said they actually didn't meet there. They met in Napa one day, but it's neither here nor there. Lauren became a volleyball coach at the local community college. So that's what she was doing in Napa. And according to Paula Rosa's book, she was the quietest of the three roommates. But with the help of Adrian and Leslie, she started slowly coming out of her shell and becoming more outgoing. So that's Lauren's bio. Also, as a side note, do you know who also went to Cal Poly? No. Lacey Peterson and Kristen Smart. <gasps> and Oh, yeah, I knew Kristen Smart did. I was going to say, I know someone big did. Okay. Kristen and uh, Kristen, Adrian, and Lauren were all born 1977 or 78. So I think they were all freshmen together when Kristen Smart was, was murdered. Oh, my God. Lacey okay. was the class of 1998, so would have been a junior at that time. But it's not weird. Like, Cal Poly's undergrad was 15,000 students in the 90s. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, now it's only it's 21,000. In the 90s, it was 15,000. That's crazy. It's not that big at all. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. Adrian and Sonia is from Calistoga, California. <laughs> Damn, I hope I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right. It's not some silent you in there or something. <laughs> but anyway, it's a small town in Napa Valley. In high school, she actually had cheated death after surviving a nearly fatal car accident. The car rolled three times and Adrian hit her head on pavement through an open window. Oh causing brain damage and that required a lot of physical and emotional hurdles. Her best friend, Lily, who also lives in Napa at the time, and we'll get into her, said there were a lot of times in the following years that she, quote, felt unpretty, like she didn't fit into her regular life anymore, which breaks my heart. I 
Oh, that's sad. Wait, which one's this, Adrian? Adrian, yeah. Okay. But she slowly regained her cognitive and athletic skills and eventually excelled in school, earning a scholarship where she pursued her goal of becoming a civil engineer. And after graduating Cal Poly, she took a job as an assistant engineer at Napa Sanitation. Damn. I know. So before when I said most jobs aren't taken seriously, I mean, hers was, hers was definitely probably the most serious of the three. Shortly after she met her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Christian Lee, and I used boyfriend a little loosely. From what I gathered, they were kind of in that gray area, and apparently they had been on the rocks because Adrian wanted to DTR. That's defined their relationship. Y'all know. Y'all know what's up. You've been there. And he wasn't sure he wanted to commit, which is the damn mantra of guys in their 20s. Oh, my God. I mean, real, they want their cake and eat it, too. Yeah, they do. Idiots. In February 2004, Lauren found a cute little house for rent near downtown on Dorset Street, and she immediately asked Adrian, who was living at her parents at the time, to be her roommate, which she was all for. Hell yeah. And it, I'm literally picturing Sydney Prescott's house. Thank you. Cute little. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's a mansion. Anyway. Oh, no, it's not. That, Sydney Prescott's is not a cute little. <laughs> Anyway, it wasn't long before they introduced themselves to a group of girls the same age who live next door, one of them being Leslie Mazzara. I know. They have a fun street. Fun? You don't picture this in Napa. I know. It's the prime of their life. Oh, my God. So one of those roommates next door was Leslie Mazzara. Leslie is originally from Orlando, but her and her family relocated to Anderson, South Carolina, before she went to the University of Georgia in 1999. Wait a minute. Y'all, our sisters went to UGA in 1998 and then 2000. So Leslie was in between them, and they've never heard of this case. I texted them. Yeah, I texted them. What do y'all know? And I I told them not to Google it. They were doing everything in their power not to Google it. Very confusing. I know. Okay. That, That little blurb tells me something happened to her. Oh, well, what can you do? Okay, well, that this is now local. Yeah, exactly. She was a member of Greenville Ballet Company and was in several pageants, including Miss South Carolina in 2003. And she raised money for Cavalry Home for Children, which is a charity that houses abused kids. So she's a good effing person. Oh, God. So Leslie moved to Napa after breaking up with her boyfriend and landed a job in sales at Francis Ford Coppola Winery. <laughs> I yes. I know. She's described as a pistol, beautiful, and very outgoing, a real people person. And I mean, talk about a dream job for someone like this. She's young, cute, personable. And if you're at a vineyard in Napa, you're looking to buy wine. So easy sell. Oh my God. And that's a very famous one. I know. And yeah, and I've been to this winery and it's an insane atmosphere. It'd be hard to have a bad day here. Oh, her friend Amy said she was an unintentional heartbreaker. Her college boyfriend bought her a car and Amy quoted, said, quote, that's just what guys did for her. <laughs> so bought her needless car? to say, she had a few suitors and was just enjoying single life and just doing her live it up. Go, girl. Get it. I know. I'm like, what? So at most you were 22 and your boyfriend bought you a car. I mean, I mean, my God. Mm-hmm. That's just what people did for her. That's just I what guess. people did for her, I guess. Gel. 
In June 2004, Leslie's lease was up and her roommates were moving out, so Lauren and Adrian jumped on the opportunity to ask her to move in. They had a spare room, so it would be cheaper, and they were already friends, so it was just a good addition, and it all worked out. Sorry, I'm going to ask for a recap. Okay, so they were neighbors originally. Yes. Lauren found the house, asked Adrian to move in. It was a three-bedroom house, but they didn't have a third roommate. Right. Leslie was a neighbor. Her lease was up. She moved in. Done. Okay. Leslie is the Georgia girl. Leslie was the Georgia girl. There we go. Game on. Pedal to the metal. Let's go. <laughs> Got it. Got now it. Now we're cooking with gas. Now I'm all caught up. Adrian and Lauren are the Northern Cali girls. So the Amy reference was just to tell me about the suitors. She, yeah. She's not involved. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know anything more about her. No, you do not need to okay. know one thing about Amy. Okay, now we're back. Right. Better than ever. Okay. So like I said earlier, there aren't that many young people in Napa, but they did end up making a close-knit group of friends. consisted mainly of another girl and two guys. <sighs> Lily Prudhomme was Adrian's best friend and coworker. Oh, God. Give me a damn pen and paper. (laughs) Adrian worked at Napa Sanitation as a civil engineer. Adrian and Lily is her best friend and worked with her. They were pretty much inseparable. Lily's boyfriend, Eric Koppel, and their friend, Ben Katz. All right. You good? Eric and Ben. Eric and Ben. And Lily. Yeah. All right. Lily, Eric is Lily's boyfriend and their friend, Ben Katz. So the six of them hung out all the time. It's kind of like friends, but with off ratios. It's four girls, two guys. You good? I got that. I'm good. good? I'm good. They're jealous of their lives. Oh, I know. Other than that, I'm all right. Okay, good. Forget it. They would usually go to one of their houses and drink beer and hang out and apparently just had a lot of fun. And from what I gather, Lily was like the fourth roommate. She and Eric had been dating, I think, since high school, and they got engaged. But she eventually called the wedding off, and they— lived together. So I think Lily spent a lot of time at the girl's house and at her parents' house, who also lived nearby. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. But they're still trying to make it work. Like, they were still dating. She wasn't sure about, she was hesitant about marriage, which I don't blame her. She's young, high school sweetheart. She's never known anything different, you know. Totally. Then they went on to lead happy, fulfilling lives. Did you like it? (laughs) No. Oh my God, you're, this whole story was just going to be me jealous of these <laughs> young kids living in Napa. In the end. I know. The twist says that everyone's living their best life and thriving. <laughs> no. That's it. I Bye wish. Oh, but I'm scared. The Night of Terror comes around, which happens to be no other than Halloween night, 2004. So that Halloween was on a Sunday. Sorry. I said so. I can... <laughs> We could never do a live show. We all listened to a podcast today where they only did live. Like, no edits, nothing. It's like, you're outside your damn mind. But, like, recorded or, like, venues? No, they would do, like, no. It'd be like a, they, you can apparently record live on Podbean. And it's oh, uploaded, yeah, yeah, you can. And so they would take that one and just upload it to Spotify and Apple. I was like, <laughs> God, have <laughs> mercy on your soul. Oh, my God. They must have severe training. Yeah. Whatever. All right, so I'm starting at Halloween was a, was on a Sunday, so the roomies had no plans to go out or go to bars. They spent the day making cupcakes, hopefully watching 
all one through 75 Halloween movies <laughs> and amped to pass out candy, which they did. And they oohed and awed over all the cutie little costumes until about 9 p.m. when things were winding down. After the last trick-or-treater, Adrian decided to go to her boyfriend's house for a little bit while Leslie and Lauren hung out and watched Netflix. Lauren got a call around 9.30, and she went into her room to talk to whoever it was. And a few minutes later, Leslie came in to say she was going to bed and goodnight. Lauren wasn't tired yet, so she stayed up watching TV, and around 10.30, Adrian came back. She walked in and said that she was going to bed and went upstairs. So Adrian and Leslie had the two bedrooms upstairs, and Lauren had the bedroom downstairs on the main level. Mm -hmm. Adrian and Christian apparently had a great weekend together. And while in bed, she was thinking about their Saturday and texted him, thank you for yesterday. It was one of the best days ever. I wish it could be forever. And that was the oh. very last text she'll ever send. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. After midnight, Lauren woke up to the sensor light by the garage. And she thinks nothing of it because Adrian has a cat that sometimes would set it off. So she quiets her dog, Chloe, and goes back to sleep. Okay, so she has a dog. Yes, she has a dog. Okay. I, look, I actually looked up that it was a German Shepherd mix. So I'm like, let's, let's get that pup up, geared up. She's downstairs. She's downstairs. All right. Then she's awoken by someone coming into their house and hears them go upstairs. She thinks it's one of the guys Leslie's been seeing and again quiets Chloe down and goes back to sleep. But only minutes later, she is jolted up by a blood-curdling scream, followed by, oh, my God, help me. And it's, oh, God. It's Adrian. Their house is pitch black dark. So Lauren slowly walks to her, the doorway of her bedroom, but is completely frozen in fear. Freeze, fight, or flight, and hers has been frozen. Her adrenaline is pumping, but she cannot move at all. All she hears is that someone is attacking both roommates and what seems to be running back and forth between their two rooms. Oh, my God. Then, all of a sudden, she hears the man running down the stairs and the realization that he's coming for her snaps her out of it. And she has literally half a second to make a decision. And she bolts out the back door through the kitchen. I'm going to vomit. Yeah. I know. But she immediately realizes she made a mistake in her panic because she's now trapped. They have a privacy fence that's over six feet tall, and there's nowhere to run, and she doesn't have her cell phone. Oh, God. I know. On top of that, there are no bushes or trees, so she just crouched down against the fence completely in the open, hoping that the darkness will hide her, watching the silhouette of this man in the kitchen destroying things, making a ton of noise, but the blinds are closed, so she can't see who it is. Can you oh, imagine no. how terrifying this would be? Where's the dog, too? Oh, she... she door was closed she oh the door's so closed in there with it yeah with them door well i didn't not sorry can i oh in there with him yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah go. sorry let me finish that thought not to blame the dog for not protecting her i was scared he was gonna follow her out and give away where she was oh my god yeah that would be creepy as shit no i think that's when she closed the door behind her so the dog okay. chloe's in her room going ape shit Barking. About oh, that. shit. Oh, don't hurt the pup either. Don't just, don't fucking hurt anyone. How about? Right. All right, go on. But she's probably petrified he's going to try to escape the same way. Like, through the backyard. And have There's nowhere no gate? to run. No. It's a completely just a privacy fence. And, like, if the kitchen's in the back of the house, 
the light would probably expose her. So like, what if they came face? I bet she's like, please don't fucking come out here. They'd be face to face. Yeah. Oh, God. I bet she's petrified. Oh, Lord. I need to know the layout of this house. But she sees him go to the front of the house. Here's messing. He's messing around with the blinds, and then it's silent. And all she hears is Adrian's quiet voice now begging for help. So not knowing if this guy's actually left, she goes back in the house. She has to. There's no other option. Yeah. I mean, the dread that she must be experiencing in this moment. Mm -hmm. So she tiptoes through the kitchen, picks up the landline to call 911, and it's dead. The phone line's been cut. I mean, this, this is straight out of is, a horror movie. Oh, God. She has no idea what to do, but knows her roommates desperately need help. So she very quietly and slowly goes up the stairs and is met with the most gruesome sight. The entire bedroom floor was covered in blood. Could not see the hardwood floors. Mm-mm. She sees Leslie lying face down on a pile of laundry with stab wounds all over her upper body and arms. A few feet away, Adrian is crouched behind her bed, alive, but she can no longer speak. She probably, like, got behind her bed um, to hide, obviously, and just, ugh. She can no longer God. speak. She's mouthing for, some, for her to help her. And it's very obvious to Lauren that she's bleeding to death. She's watching her roommate bleed to death. Oh. She runs downstairs, and mind you, she's barefoot, so she's slipping on her roommate's blood while she's running down the stairs. She grabs her cell phone and calls 911, and the call drops while she's feeding information to dispatch. Apparently, what? this wasn't unusual in Napa because service was so shitty, but they've since fixed it. So I don't, they put up more cell towers or something. I don't know, but calls to 911 no longer get dropped. Well, a reasonable ask of people that live there. Sure. Um, that's also probably a Napa problem and a 2004 problem. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if the call dropping really, like, mind-fucked Lauren into thinking that somehow he cut the this line, too, and he's nearby, but she hauls ass to her car, calls 911 again, and drives away. There's a lot of criticism on this, but I, I can't imagine what I would do. She's petrified. She's convinced that he's after her, and she's yeah. not thinking clearly. She's, I mean, she's thinking a murderer is nearby, and— she knows dispatch is on their way, so I think um, I tried to find that 911 call, but I imagine dispatch was not like, no, 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 stay in the house. I'm sure they're like, go, get out. I'm sure they uh, Okay, so she was on the phone with them long enough to give at least enough information yes. for them to be on the way. It wasn't like 911 and it dropped. Right, right. She had already okay. fed dispatch as much information as she could. I don't know but what point in the story she got to, but. Yeah, by the time she was driving away, dispatch had said, we are on our way. I'll be honest. I don't think they would have told her to leave the house. But You don't? No, it's usually like, stay on the phone with me. They don't want the person who called on one to be gone when they get there. Hell no. I know, but if she's she's convinced he's still there. Okay. I guarantee she was like, he's trying to kill me. You know, I don't I have no idea. I know. I didn't mean to victim blame. Sorry. No, no I, I don't know. But it is, I mean, it's a little controversial because Adrian is still alive. Like that dispatch was going to give her life-saving measures to perform. Oof. 
But again, for all dispatch knows, the killer was in the house. I don't know. For all, yeah. for all Lauren knew, the killer was in the house. She had no idea. So the cops get there and they're horrified by the scene. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a Napa police don't really deal with a lot of murders. So no. They do everything they can to keep Adrian alive, but sadly she dies on scene. They found blood trailing from the blinds to the siding outside the house. They found a few cigarettes, and the girls didn't smoke, and plastic zip ties underneath the front window. Oh, my God. Wait, so blinds from the inside Mm -hmm. and blood on the outside. Right, on the siding on the outside, yeah. As if it was going out the window and his, you know, bloody hands touched the outside of the house. They tested the blood, and it wasn't any of the roommates, so they tested the cigarettes and the skin cells found on the zip ties, and they all matched the same person. The profile was entered into CODIS, which has 4 million offenders, and there was no match. So this was either this man's first crime, or he's never been caught before. Oh, my God. Can they tell anything about him at this point? Yes, they can, Rach. Thank you so much for asking. Oh, my God. That that sounded like we scripted that. I know. Um, <laughs> I was... Like, going to give examples and everything. We really didn't, y'all. This is just how in sync we are. This is it. This is it, man. We're really getting the um, <laughs> and the process of an investigation down the more we do this podcast. That's true. That's true. But, it's like, but I don't want to ruin my timeline, so I'm just going to carry on and you'll figure it. You'll find out in just a second. I have a theory. You do? Yeah. I don't want to hear it yet. Because I don't know if I'll be able to keep a straight face. I know. You wouldn't be. All right. It, you'd have to put on a role of a lifetime, and I don't want to do that to you. Go ahead. Thank you. They interviewed 1,300 people and collected over 200 DNA samples, first being Adrian's boyfriend, Christian. No match. Lauren told the police she has no idea who did this. They had no en- enemies, but nothing was stolen. So it was very clearly a targeted attack, specifically to Leslie, because she was attacked first, and it was very clearly overkill. So they looked into both of their backgrounds, and Leslie had an ex-boyfriend in college who was so upset by their breakup that he created a website in tribute to how much he missed her. Oof. Ooh, 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 mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, obviously, the site's been taken down, but holy shit did I dig. Apparently, they ended on really good terms, and he didn't live in California, so he's quickly ruled out, but wanted to mention the strangeness of that. Like, in what way would someone find that charming or sweet? Or worthy of a second chance. No one's going to... No. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's not good. Mm -mm. She did have a more recent ex-boyfriend who she left in South Carolina, and he proposed to her, and she said no, and he was not taking it well. Even more creepy, the ex's dad was also not taking it well, and he was apparently obsessed with her. Ew, uh uh-uh. Giving the Susan Powell vibes. Remember that creep? Yeah. God, I was just thinking that that I can't listen to cold. It's it creeps me out. The father-in-law being the biggest ugh, creeper. He's just disgusting. He is a disgusting. According to uh, Leslie's friends, this was one of the reasons Leslie moved to California to get away from that dad. He would call her multiple times to discuss the relationship with her son, with his son, and even called twice the night of the murder. What? But both him and his son were in South Carolina at the time, and the DNA didn't match. Ooh, I'm still so grossed out by that. I know. 
There was a handyman who worked on the house that day, but he too had an alibi. Months went by without any leads. Leslie and Adrian's friends and family were devastated. They had they held vigils to keep the story alive. Adrian's mom and her best friend Lily had a banquet in her honor at Napa Sanitation. And Lily and Lauren were interviewed by 48 Hours, pleading for someone to bring information. So they were doing everything they can to, to keep this in the news. Um, wait, so Adrian did die? Adrian died, yes. Oh, sad. Where's, wh- was that one of your, was that your theory or something? Oh, yeah, I, you just never specified. Uh, she was still alive when uh, Lauren drove off. Excuse me. I did say that the policemen did everything they could to keep her alive, but she sadly died on scene. <laughs> you said that during this recording? For this? For this to work? You are going to have to listen. Listen. Uh, you said that in this recording right here? <laughs> that's it. That's it. About uh-huh. a minute ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Lily eventually came to the re- realization that tomorrow isn't promised and decided she wanted to marry Eric sooner rather than later. They got married in February 2005 and asked Adrian's mother, Arlene, to read a poem in memory of Adrian. After about 10 to 11 months with nothing, they went back to the cigarettes and they noticed that it had like a thin gold band around them. So it's not like your typical Marlboro Cig. Oh, do Marlboro Cigs not have that gold band? I don't know. I haven't smoked in ever. So I don't know. It's been years. These turned out to be, it's been years since I socially smoked a cig while pretending to inhale. Oh my God, totally. Just getting on. So these turned out to be camel Turkish gold, which was relatively new at the time and hadn't been on the market long, so very few places sold them. Mm. Investigators contacted Dr. Tony Fidekas, who developed the forensic technique that determines physical features of the killer, and he concluded that the killer was white, shocking, I know, duh, had green or blue eyes, and likely light-colored hair. They went public with this information, asking for the help of the community to identify anyone that fits this description and smokes this brand. Detectives obviously reached out to Lauren personally to ask if she knew anyone who smoked Camel Turkish Gold. And before she could even get back to them, a man walked into the police station to turn himself in. What? Are you ready for who was? (laughs) Wait. Yeah, it just kills my theory, but go on. Okay. I want to hear your theory after this, so hold on to it. I, it was Eric Koppel, <gasps> Lily's now husband, Adrian's best friend's husband, the guy who had Adrian's mom read a poem at their wedding, the guy who attended all the vigils. He even sat across from Adrian's mom at the banquet they held for her and talked to her all night about how wonderful her daughter was. And the guy who was, quote, there for Lily so much after the murder that she freaking married him. Also, let's go back to that 48 hours interview that Lily and Lauren did. He was sitting in the fucking interview room with her as she talks about finding her best friend's murderer. Oh, wait, what the hell is his problem? Oh, don't you worry. I looked so hard for the original video to post, but I think when they updated it after he turned himself in, they must have cut him out because the few excerpts I did find is a 
close-up of her, and you can't tell if anyone's next to her. But this is what CBS.com quoted her saying in that interview. Adrian was a fighter. She was scrappy. I hope that she would have fought very, very hard. I hope she hurt him. Somebody must know something. Somebody would have, would have had to notice their friend acting strange or had bruises. It doesn't seem like someone could walk away from that murder and be fine. Like, oh, that is eerie. You tell us if he's fine. He's next to you. He is sitting right next to you. How fucking crazy is that? Okay, so my theory was Lily did it. <laughs> Why would Lily do it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. She was like jealous of the friendship or I don't know. I just didn't. No, it was stabbing know. death. I just, I don't think women are usually about that. What? No. Well, um, no, I just have that in my head too because I've been literally up on my phone, knee deep in Reddit forums about the Idaho murders. And mm-hmm. there's so many people that are like, it could be a female. And I'm like, no, it's not. But then I looked it up and I was like, actually, men are more likely to use guns. Women are more likely to, well, everyone's more likely to use a gun, but women actually are more likely than men to use a knife. But they also are more quiet, quote unquote, about their murders. Like they will do it at home. They don't overkill. They don't. torture they don't things like that but 90 percent of serial killers are men so i wasn't certain but that that's just been in my head because i'm like a idaho was not a female but this i thought kind of thought might be i don't know i just could see it but maybe not guess not i'm wrong yeah screw me right (laughs) fuck you right um well yes you are wrong it was her husband great (laughs) So police had... What the hell is this problem? Oh, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. Police called Eric early on a few times to get his DNA, but he never called them back. And he was such an unlikely suspect that they never followed up. So he just flew under the radar for almost a year. Anyway, first of all, he never called them back. And they were just like, well, he probably didn't do it. But he's a man in their life. Like anything that happens like this it's someone they know so like any dude that you call to come question and he doesn't respond that's your number one suspect right he needs to be closely looked at clearly but when cops went public about everything they had including the physical features the cigarettes which mind you were dead on he had uh no idea dna testing had advanced this far and he knew that they're closing in on him at first he wrote a suicide note but his family convinced him to turn himself in instead. Oh, good. He has never come out to say why he did it, but it's very clear that Adrian was a proponent of Lily not marrying him and to do whatever makes her happy. Nothing against Eric, just being a supportive friend. What? And Halloween weekend was supposed to be their wedding weekend in Hawaii before she called, before Lily called it off. And she was planning to take Adrian on their honeymoon to Australia in the next couple of weeks. Oh, right. So the motive's pretty clear to me, but why he savagely attacked Leslie too, no idea. He was just in like a blonde rage. Right. Bet, like, why, then why not get 
why not Lauren? I don't know. I was thinking about that. But if he was in the kitchen and hearing her German Shepherd mix barking that deep bark, he probably just didn't want to go in there. Didn't want to mess with that. But this is what happened. Lily and Eric went to a Halloween party. He got wasted. They fought about their broken engagement. And she was so over it. She went to her parents' house to spend the night. And he apparently went home, got more drunk, and stewed in his hatred for Adrian. He decided to go attack her and, I guess, anyone else who got in his way. He stood outside casing the place for a while, cut the landline, ripped cigs, opened the window with his knife. And we don't really know why he went to Leslie's room first, but it was assumed that Adrian ran in there to help her. And that's when he started attacking Adrian. Oh, my God. I know. After he ran out, he went home, built a fire in his backyard, and burned all his clothes. Went to sleep and didn't wake up until Lily called him the next morning, sobbing because she had just gotten the news that her friends had been murdered. I, oh my God, that is the most insane, like, oh God, I don't know. I'm, I like thinking of the amount of anxiety I, I would have, I assuming he's a normal person. He doesn't give a shit. Right. Later at his sentencing, he said he suffered from depression and he had been suicidal throughout his life. Apparently in men, depression often manifests itself into anger, which makes me think, like, doesn't this sound like a setup for a murder-suicide against him and Lily? Like, I'm... Yeah. Why are you so angry at her friend who cannot have that much influence on Lily's decision? Like, it's Lily's choice not to marry you, not Adrian's. Relax. Well, you're sounding like you're saying that it should have been Lily and not Adrian and I am not saying that at all. But just the setup of him being depressed and so angry. But I'm like, you're not at all. It wasn't. Your anger didn't manifest towards Lily is shocking to me. Like, I, w- I would think he's... Yeah, no, I get his it. His mentality has has the makings of a murder-suicide. Instead, she just went after a third party who's not at all involved in your relationship. Back off. Yeah. No, I do not think it should have been Lily. It should have been no one. Sure. Obviously. But the judge told him he's the worst and sentenced him to life in prison without parole. And apparently he is one of the few people in court that everyone thought was genuinely remorseful. When he addressed the court, he says, I'm a broken man. I cannot fathom an explanation for my sinful deeds, the terrible agony inflicted upon a great number of people. My relationship with Lily was in jeopardy and crashing. It was all like it fertilized the seed of anger in my heart. There was rage inside me. If I had only listened to those who pleaded with me to get the help I needed. Okay. He's he's sobbing in it. I couldn't find the actual video. I think it was, I don't think it was open to tv but the still shots of him he is he's sobbing which i do not feel bad for him at all do not get me wrong but he does seem like he regrets it um i don't feel bad for him at all either i mean the only good thing is that he turned himself in and from that i'm like maybe he regrets it but i don't give a shit rotten hell bye yeah he said he didn't want to take the answers to his grave but okay he's just i just hate that so you feel bad after the fact but you didn't feel bad during when you're killing not one but two people so you did did it twice right 
but now you feel bad. Like, and fine, sure, good. Right. I'm glad you have guilt. And what gets me is that there were three cigarettes of his outside that home. That is at least 20 minutes where he had time to think about what he was about to do. That's a good point. I know. It's 20 minutes is enough to either calm the fuck down and rethink your decisions or work yourself up and follow through with the plan. And he chose the latter. So, yeah, screw him. I don't give a shit if he's remorseful. Right. Rotten hail. (laughs) Rotten (laughs) hail. I hope you rotten hail. (laughs) Both Leslie and Adrian's mother spoke, pretty much saying what you would expect. Adrian's mom pointed out that her daughter hated turtlenecks and because of him she had to be buried in one <gasps> it was oh. like her thing she hated turtlenecks ne- never wore one and because of him she had to be buried in one so sad because of the slit throat yeah because the stab went everywhere yeah oh god yeah cutting her vocal cords all that then lily addressed the court oy vey uh-oh. I know a gentler Eric. His depression sent him into a violent explosion, but he has paid his debts through Jesus Christ. And the days before he confessed, I knew something was terribly bothering him. I told him, Eric, there's nothing in this world that you could do to make me love you less. Those words are just as true today as they were that afternoon. What? What? No. No. What in the actual hell are you talking about? Why did you take the, uh, this opportunity to explain that you lo- still love him and come to his defense? Like, no one, particularly the victim's family, wants to hear that in that moment. Like, write him a letter. Tell him during a visit. Not while you're addressing the victim's family. She really turned on her friends and th- their families then, though. Like, I am, the whole time you were reading that, I was shaking my head as fast as I could know. Mm-hmm. Apparently, her and Adrian's mom remain friends after this. But I'm like, I would be like, what the hell was that about? Like, mind you, I couldn't find a video again of this. It's only transcript. So I don't know if that was the entire thing. I really hope not. I'm like, wait, you're, stop addressing your husband. Address the victim's family. Like, you're addressing the court. Why are you taking that moment to be like, nothing's going to change the way I feel about you. Fuck off. Yeah. So did they stay married? No, she did eventually divorce him, but she kept his last name for a very long time and apparently got her master's in the UK. And based on what I found, it seems like she's back in Napa and in a band. What's her name? I don't know. Lily. Did, I don't I feel, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, actually her name's all over Google. If you Google this, it's Lily Prudhomme. Oh. Uh, yeah. But it was um, Lily Koppel forever. Okay, well, I'm going to be knee-deep in front of, yeah. I can't think of what show I'm going to watch, but when I'm going to bed, just Googling everyone. Southern Hospitality. Oh, my God. It starts um, tonight. I'm not done yet, though. Oh, my God. Okay. I just forgot. Yes. I'm almost done. Okay. Lauren suffered survivor's guilt for a very long time and remains tortured by questions. What if she had opened the door and let her dog out? What if she confronted the intruder when she first heard him in her? Would she also be dead? Um, But she does say she keeps a spiritual connection with her roommates, saying, quote, 
the girls added something to my life. I'll never forget that. It's just having that chunk gone is so hard. That is, the survivor's guilt gets me, but based on what she saw from the backyard of him in the kitchen, just like destroying stuff, he was still in that rage. All he was going to do is kill her Mm -hmm. or the dog or whatever it was in front of her. Right. I know, but apparently, I'm guessing the dog deterred him from entering that room. Maybe he just didn't want to deal with it because he could have easily been like, oh, I forgot Lauren lives down here. Let me get in there. You know? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's weird. And he won't admit to why that is. I know. Like, that's, he's already admitted to everything else. No. no, I know. And there's no explanation on why he killed Leslie. He doesn't, he doesn't even give a motive. That's just everyone's speculation, which it's very clear. I mean, Adrian and Lily were going on their honeymoon. It was their wedding weekend. It's et cetera. Yeah. But, um, but he has never provided an actual reason for any of it. Good Lord. I know. And that is the senseless murders of Leslie Mazzaro and Adrian and Sagna and the survival story of Lauren Menza. Oh, my God. I had never heard of that. I know. Isn't that crazy? And again, I would like to reiterate, I did not think Lily should be in place of Adrian or Leslie in any way. Oh, my God. I'm so- I, I had a bad taste in my mouth over her address of the court. And I know I let, it, <laughs> I let it shine a little bit in my, but it does seem like, like, I was like, I can't believe he didn't, this wasn't a murder-suicide, I'm sorry. No, I know. No one thinks that, here we go, peep, she's going to text me in the morning, being like, wait, did it sound like I wanted Lily to die? She's going to text me right after Noah. we get done recording, she's going to text me in the morning, probably later tomorrow. Good Just Lord, I shouldn't I have said anything. Just I needed. Just until I have the reassurance I need. Yeah, that's both of our MO. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, but that was a very good one. I'd never heard that. I love when I've never heard of it, and you didn't sound like that. And um, great job, and you're witty enough. And <laughs> what other reassurance <laughs> and are you going to text me about? You're good enough. You're good enough. Good enough for me, that's for sure. I know. Well, that I know. Um, All right. Well, thanks, peeps. Thank you all for listening. Um, Hit that subscribe, five star. Follow us on all the social media, TikTok. Oh, it's people are the worst underscore pod is the username for TikTok. But um, or Instagram. Tell your friends. Tell everyone. Bye. Bye.